Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Crossing Church. How are you doing this fine day? You doing okay? Not letting a little snow bother you. That doesn't need to bother you. There's lots of other things to bother you. You don't need to be bothered by that either. We are so glad that all of you in this region are joining with us at all of our locations uh, across the region. And if you're joining online, we are so thankful for you. Keep praying that God will open that door back up in all of uh, the, the prisons and jails that we're in. We really want to get back in there and redevelop those relationships. So you be praying about that. Uh, I'm excited because I have gone 10 days. I have gone 10 days now without social media, without the news. And I feel great, actually. I feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't need all of that to, to be a great Christ follower. I found that out. You know, you can, and most of the things that they're trying to remind you of, you should already be doing as a Christ follower. And uh, I'm enjoying that. But just because uh, that's happening doesn't mean that I don't struggle with worry. Anybody struggle with worry in the house? Anybody in our locations, you struggle with worry? I, I struggle. Uh, with worries. As a matter of fact, this week, I particularly, I was really struggling with that. And I was texting with a friend of mine and he, this friend of mine just encouraged me, you know, give God your worry, give him your worry, and he will replace that with peace. And it's not that I don't know that, but it's so nice when I have uh, friends that'll speak truth into my life. Do you have friends that speak truth into your life? So important to be able to hear that and then just, you know, rely on that. And especially when you think about what I'm going to talk about today, what I'm going to talk about is freedom. And there is no doubt, but that this last year has felt like an assault on freedom, right? We have been told to wash our hands, not just wash our hands, but how long to wash our hands and what process or procedure we should use to wash our hands. You can go into a public restroom and there's a whole sign there telling you how to wash your hands. Like you don't know how to do that. How to wear a mask, uh, that you should wear a mask to keep your distance from one another, to stay away from gyms. I'm doing really good at that. And restaurants, uh, not doing so good at that. And high school, I mean, when it gets serious here, high school and college seniors miss their graduations, miss their proms, miss their last year of sports, Elderly people have been denied family and friends in their close proximity. The dying have been denied their goodbyes. In a lot of uh, states, you know, people can't go to work. They can't go to church. They can't go to weddings. They can't go to funerals. They can't do anything that goes beyond a prescribed number. I mean, when have we ever experienced anything like that before? So many of our usual freedoms have been forfeit by COVID-19. It's mind-numbing when you think about it, right? And it's going to take years to assess the costs of those losses of freedoms. Now, we're all concerned about a lot of those costs, like the permanent loss of businesses, permanent losses of jobs, losses in education where children fall behind, marriages failing under the pressure of what we've experienced, the suicide rate uh, uh, going up at an alarming rate, massive deaths in the developing world. It's amazing what projections are of deaths in the developing world from starvation. 
because of COVID-19 shutting down those countries and systems that provide for that, that food for the developing world. The lack of immunization, the lack of prevention, the lack of treatment. You know, uh, our response to COVID-19 could actually kill far more people than the disease itself. The thing is, we just don't know, do we? We don't know, but we do know that the cost is going to be very, very high. Now, we understand. Nobody needs to tell us. We understand that these losses of freedoms were for the purpose of limiting the losses that were directly associated with the disease itself, right? And those costs, and this is really what I want. I mean, I'm not just trying to depress you, even though I'm probably doing a good job. I want us to be reminded that these costs show us the value of our freedom that we used to have and that we hope to have again soon, right? We should recognize the value of those freedoms. The thing is, we didn't have anything to do with this. This microscopic virus either developed or, who knows, spontaneously created on the other side of the globe, found its way here, and did something that none of us have experienced before, and it's not done yet. And it's devastating to think about it. I mean, it's called COVID-19. You know why it's called COVID-19, right? Because it's 2019. It's 2021. It's been around a while. But as devastating as it is, we still know that it's not forever, right? We still know that it's, it's coming to an end. It's in the process of coming to an end. And there are things that are worse that we do know about. One of them Jesus talked about in Matthew 10, 28. In Matthew 10, 28, he said this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one, capital O, meaning God, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Wow. If that isn't a sobering scripture, I don't know what it is. Because it's talking about forever. When the word hell comes out, it's talking about forever, right? And this is a problem that has been with the human race, and therefore you being a part of the human race has been with you and with me our entire life. Now, before you take this out of context, it'd be easy to do, because when you read that scripture or I, I say it to you, it really sounds like God's mean, doesn't it? It sounds like God is like on his throne of judgment. He's coming down on us. I, I don't want you to do that because I want you to hear what Jesus has to say in context, okay? So verse 29 to 31 says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I love the facetious nature of how Jesus said that, you know, you're worth more than sparrows, aren't you? And if God cares for those, and he takes notice of the hairs of our heads, you know, that should tell you something about God. And this is what it tells me when I read those accompanying scriptures. God isn't wanting to frighten me. He wants to save me. Now, I had a homiletics professor in Bible college that used to say this. You have to get a person lost before you get them saved. And a lot of people don't realize 
the situation that they're in. And it's important to hear the truth because the truth tells you the reality of your situation, right? You need to hear that. Before you can ever understand what it means to be saved, you need to understand what it means to be lost. So God isn't one to frighten you. He wants to save you. And you know why he wants to save you? Because he loves you. Simple as that, he loves you. And that leads us to the core verse. You know, we're in this series of core verses of the Bible. And this one is a, it's a key, such a key verse. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I want you to get a hold of this, okay? I don't want these to be truths like a stone that just skips across the surface of the lake of your heart. I want these truths to sink down. I don't want you to do this with them. I want you to do this with them, okay? So that they'll just go straight down to the depths of your heart. So let's dive deeper into this idea of freedom that the scripture talks about. Well, what is it? Freedom is one of those lofty ideals. It's hard to define. If I were to come up to you and say, hey, what's freedom? What would you say? It's really kind of hard, isn't it, to put down in words or to articulate with words what that is. So I was doing that myself. And I see it as like a conduit or a catalyst or a pathway from something to something. Like freedom is that pathway to take you from or the pathway to take you to. So freedom from would be like something that limits you or something that oppresses you. You might say freedom from addiction or freedom from debt or freedom from oppression or discrimination or objectification or limitation or judgment or freedom from your past. Freedom from, like a conduit taking you away from that limiting factor or oppressive factor in your life. Freedom too would define something where the limits are removed, where the oppression is lifted, like freedom to prosper or freedom to self-determine or freedom to be treated equally or the freedom to have dignity or to pursue happiness or to look forward. Ultimately, freedom to choose. Freedom from, freedom to. This is that pathway, that conduit, that pipeline. Now, there's something I know about freedom and choosing. Freedom to choose is not always a good thing, right? At least it hasn't been in your life. Certainly hasn't been in mine, because I've had the freedom to make choices, and when I make choices, sometimes I make the wrong choices. How many make the wrong choices sometimes? Yeah, and when you make the right choices or the wrong choices, you live to regret the freedom to make that choice, right? And sometimes we make choices to give up our freedom and they're good choices. Like I remember dating and I, I dated a lot. I enjoyed going out and meeting people and having a good time with people. I enjoyed all that. But when I met Allison, I didn't want to do that anymore. I gave up the freedom to date because I wanted to spend my life with her. And that was a good choice. In other words, sometimes limiting your freedom is a really good thing. So the, the issue here is, well, how does this whole freedom thing work 
when it comes to Romans 8 and what it says about being free. Well, let's take it apart. Let's do that together. Okay, so the first word in this Romans 8, 1 and 2 that really grabs me is this word condemnation. That's a big word. Not just big because it's a long word, but it's a, it's a weighty word, a scary word. Do you know the word condemnation and the word damnation are the same they mean exactly the same thing. It's actually an expletive. It's a swear word, right? So it's a strong word, this word condemnation. And the way that it is used in the book of Romans, when you read through the book of Romans, it, it's a big problem and it's everybody's problem, which means it's your problem and it's my problem because condemnation is the inevitable result of making choices of yourself over God and his righteous expectations. Now, some people don't believe that. Some people are like, yeah, that's just the way that religious people try to control other people with fear. Well, whether you believe it or not really doesn't matter because truth is true. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the value of whether it's true or not. And what does it mean? Well, it means eternal separation from God. Condemnation means eternal separation from God. What does that mean? Well, when the Bible uses words to define God, it uses two specific words. One is light and one is love. The Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all, right? So when you think of everything that involves light, That's going to be absent from the separation of God. And when the Bible describes God, it says God is love. Everything about love is absent in separation from God. Everything that you would consider an attribute of God is not present in the separation or absence of God. I don't want anything to do with that eternity. And I don't think you do either. When Jesus referred to hell, when he was preaching, he used the term Gehenna. And Gehenna was actually a place in Jerusalem that everybody knew. It was in the Valley of Hinnom. That's where you get the name Gehenna. It was in the Valley of Hinnom. And it was the Jerusalem trash pile. And all the trash went there and it never stopped burning. Day and night, it was burning all of the trash and I mean, it was a horrible place because it's like where executed bodies were thrown and it just never stopped burning. And the reason it was in the Valley of Hinnom is because that's where the wind would take it away. It wouldn't come over Jerusalem. It would, it would blow away from Jerusalem. And when Jesus described hell, he used that visual. He used that picture. So this idea of eternal separation of God from God, it should frighten us. This idea of condemnation, we should be very, very frightened of. And we might try to push this fear down by denying it uh, or the one who will do it. But something inside of us is not going let to let us do that. You know exactly what I'm talking about here. I don't have to prove this to you. There is something inside of a human being that reminds him or her that she was or he was created by God. You can't get away from it. You know it. Down deep, you know that this is true. You know, I don't need to convince you of something 
that in the most basic part of yourself, you actually know it's true. You know, you can go anywhere in the world, any culture, any time, any location, and they'll all be doing at least one thing, and that is worshiping. Do you know that? Every culture over all time has done that. You know why? Because everybody knows down deep that there is something more than them, something more to them than you can see with your eyes, something that appeals to something deeper inside of you, right? So we know that. Actually, in the book of Romans, in the first chapter, it actually teaches us that truth. And there's a lot of things in the book of Romans that teaches us truth that the Apostle Paul uses to teach us this truth. And so what I want us to do is spend a little time in God's Word that will help us to clearly show that we are all in this thing together, and it's a bad thing, this thing, condemnation, right? So Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is probably the most misquoted scripture I ever hear people say. And this is how they misquote it. They'll say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that is not what it says. It says, for all have sinned, past, perfect, and fall short. Present active indicative. Right now. In other words, on your best day, even when you're in church, even when I'm standing up here preaching to you, I am right now in this moment of my life, I am falling short of the glory of God for me. His righteous ideal is beyond me. I can't do it. And it's not just me, it's all of us. For all, for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 takes us another step down this horrible rabbit hole. And it says this, For the wages of sin, the rightful earning for our sin, is what? Death. And it's not just physical death, it's spiritual death, meaning eternal separation from God. And if you still have a little bit of ambiguity about it, go to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It'll show you his attitude. It says that the wrath of God is being uh, revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Yeah, Paul's not leaving anything to your imagination. He's telling you. Condemnation is real. What Jesus said is real. You should fear the one who is able to do this, not just to your body, but to your soul for all eternity. And when we think about God's law, we usually go think about like, you know, the Ten Commandments, which is really only an overview of God's general expectations. But the truth is you and I, we fail in every single category. If I look at that, I'm, I'm a failure at this. We may want to live right. I want to live right. I bet down in your heart of hearts you want to live right. But you just keep failing. And so do I. Here's, here's this great leveler, okay? The Apostle Paul, who wrote these words about the condemnation of God. He puts himself in the same boat as all of us. Look what he says about himself in Romans 7, 21 to 24. And it will describe not only him, but you and me. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see 
another work, another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Listen to how he responds. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man or woman you are. What a wretched person I am. And the question inevitably comes, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? The case has been made. The the truth has been shared. This is what is real for us. Our freedom is forfeit. So what can we do? And that is why Romans 8, 1 and 2 is so special. Thank you for making it with me to this point in the sermon. Because right now, you should be just completely like depressed. Why did I even come here today? That's awful. It's worth it to hear what's next. It declares this wonderful truth that shines brighter than all of the darkness of our sin. And it points us to a second choice that can reverse the curse from our first choices. And it's this one little tiny word. It's this one little tiny insignificant word that is so significant when it's placed next to condemnation. And it's the word no. No condemnation. How much condemnation is that? It's none, right? What a wonderful word to go in front of the word condemnation. And we think about how much that is. It's total. It's absolute. It's complete. It means freedom. It means freedom from condemnation. Now, the second half of this verse reveals what that actually means to us. But before that, what is the condition that puts that little word uh, into the equation? What is the condition that actually puts the word no in front of condemnation. Well, it's right there in the verse. It says, for there is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There it is. There's the answer. In Christ Jesus. So I'm going, how do I get there? That's where I want to go. I don't want that condemnation on me. I don't want that reality on me. How do I get to in Christ Jesus? Look at the second half of the verse again. It says, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, a lot of times when we talk about this, we just talk about the from. We just talk about from, like I have been set free from the law. I've been set free from all the rules that I haven't been able to keep. You're not just set free from the law. You're set, from, you're set free from the law to a law. Do you see that there? For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's this new law that sets us free from the results of breaking the old law, which, which, which we've all done. The Bible makes very clear. So what is it? That's where I've got, if this is being in Christ Jesus, what is this law of the spirit of life? Well, go back to Romans 5, and it'll tell you exactly what that is. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been, say the word, justified. Say it again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
Look at verses 6 to 10. It takes you to the next level. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, his own love, for us in this. While we were still sinners, when we didn't care, when we were all the wretched people that we are, Christ died for us. Since we have now been, there it is again, say it, justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were uh, God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So the law of the spirit of life is this, it's finding justification. I know that sounds like a big word. Let me make it easy for you. Just grab both ends of that word and stretch it as hard as you can. Ready? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means. Justification means just as if I'd never sinned. That's what God's grace brings to me. God's grace is the gift of Jesus. It's Jesus coming to this earth, dying on the cross for our sins, sins, being buried, and rising from the dead on the third day. What we sing about. And then it's my faith in that truth. So God's grace, I can't earn. I can't deserve. I can't pay for. It's been freely given to me. That's why the word grace is used, because it's the same word in the Greek language for gift the unmerited favor of God. But I have to respond to that grace by faith. You know what we call that? Around here at the crossing, we call that an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So verses 6 to 8 explains grace. Then verse 9 and 10 explains our response to that grace, which means this, you have the freedom to choose Jesus. And when you choose Jesus... He will set you free. He'll take that little word no and he'll put it in front of condemnation. And then you are justified freely by his grace. You are free from condemnation. You are free from sin. You are free from its results. You see, you had to have the bad news before you could get to the good news. Now, my dad used to always tell me this. It's not who you are. It's who you know. And I think he used to tell me that because of networking. (laughs) But when you know Jesus, then you know for the first time who you really are. For the first time, you're truly free. Even in the middle of a pandemic, you're free. Now, I want to give you three tiny little words, okay? Because I don't know how much you're going to remember and how much you've written down and how much you're going to forget from this sermon, but you can remember three two-letter words. That's just six letters in total, okay? You can remember these three words, and I want you to remember these three words as you move forward into your freedom, okay? Here's the first one. Word number one is the word so. Everybody say so. Say it like you mean it. So. All right. You know where that word comes from? It comes from John 3.16. 
And what it does is it describes the level to which God loves you, the level to which Jesus loves you. That scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let me tell you something that you need to hear with your whole heart right now. God doesn't love you. He so loves you. He wasn't willing to just put that word by itself. He had to put a descriptive word in front of it so you could understand the depth of it. This is one of those rocks that doesn't need to skip across the surface of the lake of your heart. It has to sink, so you got to go like this. God doesn't love you. He so loves you. Understand that. Take that word with you. That's the scripture behind it, okay? Here's the second one. The second two-letter word is no. You just learned that one today. Everybody say no. You know what? You don't have to learn to say that word. My mother used to say, you have to teach kids to say all kinds of things, but you never have to teach them to say no. They just got it down. So if you have this word down already, why don't you just use it to glorify the Lord? Because that is the level of condemnation that awaits you when you respond to Jesus. No condemnation. So when the liar whispers in your ear that it's something else, that something else is true that's not, you know what you can say? Uh Uh-uh. So? No. He doesn't love me. He so loves me. And I have no condemnation attached to me because I'm in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in me. Number three, the third two-letter word is go. Go. Because that is what you do with the matchless freedom that God has given you. And if you have that kind of freedom, listen, if you have that kind of freedom, you can navigate anything in this life, including pandemics and their results. This is what you need. Can you walk out of any of our locations today and you can say, look, here are my takeaways. So because that's the level to which God loves me. No, that's the level of condemnation that I have because I'm in Christ and go. That is what I'm called to do because of those first two little words. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Is that truth just going to just lay there in front of you? Is that grace, this matchless gift, just going to sit there in front of you in this moment? And are you going to walk away from picking it up and making it your own? Today is the day to decide. Use your freedom and decide. We're moving to that time of decision now. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. 
you can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.